Hebrews chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. Here's the word of the Lord. It says, Therefore we must pay much closer attention to what we have heard, lest we drift away from it. For since the message declared by angels proved to be reliable, and every transgression or disobedience received a just retribution, how shall we escape if we neglect such a great salvation? It was declared at first by the Lord, and it was attested to us by those who heard, while God also bore witness by signs and wonders and various miracles, and by gifts of the Holy Spirit distributed according to His will. Let's pray together. God, we thank You for this passage. It is a um, sobering passage. It is a warning to us. Um, it's, a, it's a warning that we need to hear. So we thank You for it. Pray that You would work in our hearts as we, as we by Your grace, submit ourselves to Your Word this morning. In Christ's name, Amen. A few weeks ago, my son, Silas, was running around, um, and he fell, and he crashed his, bumped his head really bad, um, crashed into the corner of like our ledge going down stairs, and I uh, bled quite a bit, pretty good, pretty good little bump on his head, um, cracked it open pretty good, so we had to go to the, uh, well, we tried to go to urgent care, but urgent care wasn't open because it was a Saturday, and I guess... You don't need urgent care on the weekend. I don't know. I don't, I'm not sure what the, the thinking is there. But um, uh, so we took him to the emergency room and got him some staples. So it was a fun. It was a fun evening. Um, but it, it, you know, you go to the emergency room and you're there for a few staples. You realize that this isn't this isn't like a, a life and death emergency. We we definitely needed to get the bleeding stopped and and get the the head stapled and all of that. We needed to get it taken care of, but I mean, if, if a real emergency would have come in that door while we were waiting, the doctor and the nurses would have, they would have made that real emergency a priority. They would have, they would have had Silas wait for a few minutes while they take care of the, of the, of the other thing, right? You got to decide what's more important. So it was, it was important that we got it taken care of, but it wasn't what you would call a life or death emergency. I was the other day. I was um, uh, because I'm a good dad. Uh, me and my daughters and my wife we watched World War Z on uh, Sunday night. I figured that's a good way to kind of kick off our Labor Day. We're going to watch a, a zombie movie together. Uh, it was good. It's good, clean family fun, right? There's uh, uh, there's this infection and a bunch of zombies, and they you know bite other people, and then they become zombies and um, it's terrible. And, uh, and so the, the, so when the, when the doctor gave Silas some warnings as we were leaving the emergency room, really she gave them to us because Silas was fixated on the, the, the sucker or whatever it is he got for being such a brave whatever. Anyhow, um, cookies or something he got. And so he was thinking about that. And so the, the doctor gave us some warnings, right? But they were, they were casual warnings. They were more like, if you see this, you probably should bring him back in. You probably won't. He's probably fine. But if you, if you see these signs, these symptoms, if he throws up or something, or if, you know, bring him back in. 
but he's probably okay. If it, when, you, when you go to, when he takes a shower, he's got to do this and that, you know, and there were, there were warnings, but they were casual. World War Z was full of uh, not casual warnings. Everything is life and death and undead in war, World War Z. Uh, lots of fun, lots of chaos, and everything is urgent. People are screaming things at each other because everybody's going to die. Hebrews chapter 2, the, the author of Hebrews has some urgent warnings for us. He's not dealing with something like a few staples in the head, and, and, the, and, and he's not dealing with something fictional, like a zombie apocalypse. There's a real emergency here. In fact, in fact, it's the, it's the most urgent kind of emergency. It's the most life and death of any kind of problem. What is, what is the author of Hebrews dealing with in, in chapter 2, verses 1-4? through four? He's dealing with the threat, the scary problem of a, of a professing Christian drifting away from the Gospel. Someone who has publicly said that they believe the Gospel. Someone who has perhaps even, probably even been baptized. Someone who has spent significant time in the church. And now they don't care about Jesus at all. They once thought of Jesus as their Savior and as their King, and now they don't care about Him at all. There's, no, there's just no evidence that He means anything to them. There's no greater emergency than this. So the author of Hebrews doesn't have time to mess around. He's going to... He's not, these are not some casual warnings. You know, if, it, you, know, if you see these signs and you know, probably bring him back in, or maybe, you know, monitor him for 24 hours. No, we don't have time for that. We have urgency. We don't have time to mess around. He has three urgent life and death warnings for us today. Three urgent warnings. We have to take a serious look at each of them. Warning number one. We must all be on guard against drifting away. We must all be on guard against drifting away. Verse 1 can't be any clearer. It says, Therefore we must pay much closer attention to what we have heard, lest we drift away from it. This is a sobering thought for all of us. Now the Bible is incredibly clear. The Bible can't get any clearer than what it is. Um... As, as far as eternal security. Alright, so, so the, 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 the Bible often does this. The Word of God often just gives us two like straightforward truths, and maybe at times they seem like they're in tension with each other, but they're not. They're just both absolutely true. And so we just believe both of them. And so one truth is that... that if you have been saved, if, if, if you are truly saved by the grace of God, if, if God has done that work in your heart, where you've been born again by His grace, by His Spirit, if you have believed the Gospel because of the work of God in your heart, you've believed the Gospel, you hate your sin, you love and trust Jesus, you are truly saved. If you are truly saved, then you are saved forever. Scripture really can't get any clearer about that. 
Jesus Himself says in John chapter 10, My sheep hear My voice, and I know them, and they follow Me. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish, and no one will ever snatch them out of My hand. My Father who has given them to Me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. Romans 8 teaches us the the same kind of thing. If we are in Christ, nothing can separate us from the love of God. So Scripture is abundantly clear on that. However, right alongside that, Scripture is also abundantly clear that if we have been truly saved, we will continue to trust and follow Jesus. This is the perseverance of the saints. This is, this is a, this is a hallmark doctrine of the Word of God, of the Christian faith. So, so let's be as straightforward as we possibly can. We don't have time to mess around. These are not casual warnings. These are not things to kind of, you know, take, you know, be, have an eye out. No, this is not that. This is urgent. You know, if your, if your friend or your family member they, 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 they are not saved simply because they prayed a prayer. Or because they got baptized. Or because they went to church for several years. The, the Word of God does not hold those things up as evidence of salvation. That's not by itself biblical proof of salvation. Colossians 1 says, And you who once were alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, He has now reconciled in His body of flesh by His death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before Him. That is the beautiful Gospel. God in His grace has reconciled you to Himself through the death of Jesus Christ. That is wonderful. The very next verse says, if indeed you continue in the faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the Gospel that you heard. So the the, the clear warning of Scripture is that that those those who are truly saved will continue. They will not shift away from the Gospel. So the question when we're considering, when we're praying for our loved ones, and we're trying to help them and encourage them, the question is not, was I there when they when they prayed to trust Christ as their Savior? Was I there when they, when they publicly professed their faith? Was I there when they got baptized? Was I there for those first few years where it seemed very much like they were genuine? I mean, there was, there was tears. There was joy. There was emotion. It seemed like they were... I mean, if anybody's saved, it seems like they were saved. I was there. I saw it. You can believe me when I say to you, I have probably just as many stories like that as you do of people who, I mean, the, it just seemed like they were genuine. I mean, I was there. It seemed like they were genuine, and now they want nothing to do with Jesus. I mean, they don't care about, I, they, I mean, they're living in obvious sin, and they don't care. They're just they're living in obvious sin. They don't care. They, 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 they hardly ever come to church. They never read their Bible. There is no evident love for Jesus in their life. So the question isn't, what kind of decision did they make years ago? The question is, do they love and trust Jesus 
right now. The Jesus of the Bible. Is He their only hope in life and death? Is He their Savior? Is He their King? Or have they drifted away? But, this is not just a warning for our family and our friends. Do you see how the author talks about this? This is the stinking author of the book of Hebrews. What does he say? He says, we must pay much closer attention to what we have heard, lest we drift away from it. If you guys ever, if you ever hear me say, you guys better watch yourselves, and it doesn't seem like I'm saying to myself, I need to watch myself. If it's ever, I'm, I'm good. You guys are. If you ever get that vibe from me, you feel free to ask me about it. The author of Hebrews shows us a completely different way forward, doesn't he? He's sticking himself right in there with the rest of us. I mean, I'm sure if you sat down with the author of Hebrews and you said, hey, are you a Christian? He'd be like, yes, I am. He could probably even tell you, maybe maybe not, but he could probably tell you, yeah, you know what? October 19th, I wasn't. October 20th, I was. There was a time in which I did not love Jesus. I did not trust Jesus. I did not believe the Gospel. I was, I was, I was, I was confident in the, in the Jewish religion, in the old sacrifices and temples and priests. I was confident in that to make me righteous before God. Then I saw the light. By God's grace, I realized Jesus is my only hope to be forgiven of my sins. What He did on the cross is my only hope to be purified of my sins. If you sat down across from the, the, the author of Hebrews, he would say, yes, I am saved. He could talk to you about his salvation. He could talk to you about his baptism. He could talk to you about his, his years of faithful ministry of making disciples. And then right alongside that, he says, I've got to watch myself or I'll drift away. I have to pay close attention to the Gospel or I will drift away. This is what we all must be saying. Just like the rest of us, he says, I have to be constantly on guard against drifting away. Because not only do I want to love Jesus tomorrow, I want to love Jesus in 15 years, in 25 years, in 40 years. I want my last breaths on this earth joyful praise in Jesus. So you've got to be constantly on guard against drifting away. I have to be constantly on guard. Author of Hebrews has to be constantly on guard. We have to. Jesus puts it this way in Matthew 7. He says, every healthy tree bears good fruit. But the diseased tree tree bears bad fruit. A, a healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. This is why Peter says in 2 Peter 2.10, Therefore, brothers, he says it to his brothers, to his brothers and sisters in Christ, as far as Peter knows, he's talking to people who are in Christ. He is just assuming that they are believers. He says, 
brothers, be all the more diligent to confirm your calling and election. Has God called you? In, in, in Peter's terms, when First Peter kind of terms that the terminology, that's He's called us from darkness into His glorious light. His election is that's, as He's chosen us before He did anything else, before He founded the world, God chose us in Christ. Is this true of you? Has God saved you in Christ by His grace? Make sure. You be all the dilig- more diligent to confirm it. Paul says it in many places, but in 2 Corinthians 13, he says, examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. Peter and Paul are talking to believers here. Be constantly on guard against drifting away. That's our first warning. We must, we must all be on guard against drifting away. Warning number two. Drifting away from Jesus brings severe, severe judgment. The, the, the second warning is kind of giving us the reason for the first warning. Why must we be on guard against drifting away? Because, warning number two, drifting away from Jesus brings severe judgment. Let's, um, let's all take an awkward pause while I get a drink, and then let's work through verses 2 through 4. So here's what the author says. Listen to his logic here. It's pretty straightforward. For since the message declared by angels proved to be reliable, and every transgression or disobedience received a just retribution, how shall we escape if we neglect such a great salvation? Alright, so chapter 1, the author here was just pounding us with the gospel of Jesus is far superior than the old than the old testament far superior the the angels are impressive and they brought an impressive word to Moses it was a it was a good and true thing and it was reliable which is like the the idea there is legally binding the the idea is if you disobeyed the old testament if you were an old testament um, believer and you disobeyed the old testament there was consequences for that you received a just retribution and we see it, right? If you, an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. If you, if you do damage to someone's person or property, you pay for it in the Old Testament. There is real earthly consequences for disobeying the Word of God as it is laid out in the Old Testament, as it is delivered by the angels to Moses. It's a big deal. How much more so is this great salvation that we have in Christ? That's the logic here. The, the logic is, if, it was a, if, if, the, if the lesser, it was good and true, but it was incomplete. It was the beginnings of something. It was not the full story. The, we have the full story now in Jesus. But it, the, the Old Testament, if, if that was legally binding, if that was reliable, if, if disobeying that brought, brought rest, retribution, how much more now that we have eternal salvation in Christ? Now that Christ has, has fully and finally and perfectly purchased salvation for us, what kind of punishment do we face if we reject it? How much greater is the punishment now?
because it is a great salvation, because it is, because Jesus is the, he is the full and final way to be forgiven of our sins, to be made right with God, to know and love Him forever, to reject Him brings severe eternal punishment. If this in the Old Testament brought earthly consequences, how much greater are the eternal consequences of rejecting the Son? And we can be sure, we can be sure, God in His grace, we can be sure that we have the final word. We have the Gospel. We have the way, the truth, and the life in Jesus Christ. We have the full and final purification for sins in Jesus Christ. We can be confident in the Gospel because, at the end of verse 3, it was declared at first by the Lord. So God Himself has told us. He's proclaimed it. And then it was attested to us by those who heard. And so, the, the, so, so, so God in His kindness and in His mercy has not just given us His Word, but He's given it to us in such a way where we have these human eyewitnesses. The, the Word of the Lord to us is, is uh, the, the Scriptures, are, these are eyewitness accounts. These are, these are flesh and blood humans who are staking their reputation saying, yes, I was there, it's what happened. It's, it, I was there, it's what happened. So this is just extra mercy from God that we can be confident in His Word. And then, so not only was it declared by the Lord, and not only was it attested to by human witnesses, but God also bore witness by signs and wonders. You read the book of Acts and various miracles and by gifts of the Holy Spirit distributed according to His will. Over and over and over in the 28 chapters of Acts, God is confirming that the Gospel that the apostles are preaching is the true Gospel. Over and over and over, He's confirming it. So when we open up the Word of God, when we open up the Word of God, we, we can know that the Gospel that's, that's given to us in these pages is true. It's true. God, God has been extra kind in verifying Gospel to us. But that extra kindness brings about with it extra responsibility. It, it, it now ups the ante. Now it would be incredibly foolish to reject it. It would be incredibly foolish once we profess faith in Christ to drift away from Him. It would be incredibly foolish not to keep, not to keep a close watch on ourselves. Because if we disobey the Gospel of Jesus Christ, that's far worse than disobeying the Old Testament. Now we, have, now we have not just earthly consequences, we have eternal consequences. Drifting away from Jesus brings eternal judgment. It brings eternal punishment in hell. We must believe that Jesus is our only hope to be saved from our sins and we must never stop believing. That's our second warning. Drifting away from Jesus brings severe judgment. Now, warning number three. So, we must pay the closest attention 
to Jesus. Back to verse 1. Therefore, we must pay much closer attention to what we have heard, lest we drift away. So So again, the logic is pretty clear here. We must all be on guard against drifting away from Jesus because drifting away from Jesus brings severe judgment, so we must pay the closest attention to Christ. We must pay closer attention to what we have heard. And so what have we heard? Chapter 1, the greatness of Jesus, the goodness of Jesus, the sovereignty of Jesus, the salvation that only Jesus has purchased. We have heard about Him, and so now we must pay close attention to Him. In fact, the grammar of, these, of this verse is we must pay the closest attention to Him. He must be the one we pay the most attention to. So what does it look like to pay the closest attention to Jesus? We're going we're gonna to think about that for just a couple minutes here. Because Hebrews has much to say on the subject. We will, we will be thinking about this a lot over the next few months. But I just want to give you a, a few ideas of what it means from the book of Hebrews to pay the closest attention to Jesus. And we'll again, we'll unpack these in greater detail in the months to come. The first one is actually just in our verses today. First, it means to live in the Word of God. The first thing it means to pay close attention to Jesus simply means to live in the Word of God. Just pay attention to what we have heard. And for us today, what have we, what, what do we have? What, what, what is the Word of God? It's the Scriptures. It's the Bible. We are to spend each day in the Word. If you use devotional books, you make sure your devotional books are crammed full of the Bible. Your devotional books should quote a lot of Bible. If your Bible study book or your devotional book is mostly something other than here's what the Bible says and here's what it means, then ditch it. Get a good one. Read the Bible and then read the, 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 the books that unpack the Bible. Books that make a huge deal out of Jesus. A huge deal out of His cross. A huge deal as, as Jesus making purification for sins. That's what we have heard. We must pay close attention to the fact that Jesus has made purification for sins. Never stop paying attention to that. That's what we pay the closest attention to. So if you're reading a, a, a book, a Christian book, and that thing, at least every chapter, doesn't just slam you in the face with the cross, then pick a, pick a different one. You don't have to finish a book. I haven't finished most of my books. Can we read other stuff too? Oh yeah, sure. Read other good books. You can watch good movies like World War Z, something edifying like that. Hey, there's some helpful tips in there. You never know. You never know. You watch college football. I'm not going to insert a comment about Notre Dame right now because that's a sore subject for some of you. But you can watch college football. But if you're a Notre Dame fan, probably switch to golf or cooking show or something. It's easier on the heartburn. Trust me, I know. I'm a Michigan fan. Sure, sure, we can, we can pay attention to other things. We can enjoy other things. We pay the closest attention to the Word of God. We enjoy this and that. 
we love the Bible. We devote devote ourselves to the Bible. We're lifelong students of the Bible. One of the things that I'm realizing is I'm I've, I've been doing this uh, uh, thinking biblically about things that matter, and just I'm, I'm I'm picking topics and I'm trying to do like a deep dive onto what the Word of God says about these topics. And I'm what I'm realizing once again is that there's all kinds of stuff that I don't know, all kinds of stuff the Bible speaks to and is clear about and is helpful on. I didn't know. I'm never going to learn it all, ever. The author of Hebrews is saying, if you got to pay closer attention to Jesus, it means living in the Word of God. You live there. Second, let's be faithful to church. Hebrews chapter 10. I can't wait to get to these verses. This is a ton of fun. Hebrews 10.23 says, Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for He who promised is faithful. Okay, so, so the very next verse, after, after holding fast the confession of our hope, track with me here, we gotta, we got to hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. we got to make sure we never drift away. Right? we got to pay the closest attention to Jesus. Then the very next verse He says, And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another. And so the the author of Hebrews has this direct connection between holding fast to our own personal confession, the, the confession of our hope. So it's very personal, it's very private. It's us making sure we do not drift away from Jesus. He he ties that he connects that directly to. Stirring up one another, meeting together, being a faithful part of our local church. That's the strong connection. The, the logic of the book of Hebrews is incredibly clear. And, and please, like if you don't love this, then I, 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 I really, 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 and I'm not being flippant, I'm not being a smart aleck at this particular moment, um, I, I mean this. Like, if you, don't, if you don't like the logic here, then you do have to take it up with the Word of God. But the logic is clear here. If, if, if the New Testament author saw someone who was not faithful to church, they would assume that they were drifting away from Jesus. That's the, that's the logic of the New Testament. The assumption is you're drifting away from Jesus. And if you drift away from Jesus, you end up in hell. So there's no time for me to like be kind and to like sugarcoat it. And there's no kind, time for you to be kind with your loved ones. There's no time for that. As, as minor as Silas's little head crash was, there's no, there's no time for us to say, well, yeah, it's bleeding pretty good, but maybe if he sleeps standing up tonight, it'll be fine. No, you see something, you see something, you address it. 
If your people that you love don't care about church, that's a really bad sign. It's something that you have to talk with them about. It's something you've got to pray about. Let's be faithful to church. We need it. You need it. I need it. If I'm going to hold fast my confession, I don't know how someone, if they're not devoted to church, if they don't have the Gospel just ringing in their ears every single week, I don't know how they hold fast their confession. I don't know how they do it. I think the logic of the New Testament is they don't. So let's be faithful. We need each other. We need to stir up one another. We need to be stirred up ourselves. So if we're going to pay the closest attention to Jesus, we've got to live in the Word of God, and we've got to be faithful to church. And then finally, we must trust that Christ alone will get us across the finish line. We must trust that Christ alone will get us across the finish line. Hebrews 12 says, let us, let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith. Jesus is the founder and the perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before Him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. I cannot wait to dive into those verses. But for for this moment, let's just remember together that Jesus is the founder and the perfecter of our faith. In other words, if, if, if we care about Jesus, if we trust Jesus, if we believe in Jesus, the, the reason that we do is because Jesus has given that to us. He has founded the faith in our heart. He has established it. He has built it. He has given it to us. It's His work. Our faith is His kindness to us. He gives us something worth believing and He gives us the belief to believe it with. And He is going to perfect that faith as well, which means He is going to drag our silly carcasses across the finish line. He alone is going to get it done. Now, between now and then, are you going to work your tail off? Yes. Yes, you are. You're going to devote yourself to paying close attention to Him. To never drifting away. You're going to be faithful, even when you're not feeling it. You're going to be faithful. It's not going to be easy. Paul puts it this way in Philippians 2. He says to work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Which which means you're going to seek day by day to demonstrate each day that you are truly saved. You're going to get after it every single day. You're going to live your life in a way that's saying, how can I demonstrate? How can I show? How can I, how can I live a life that is honorable, that's, that's, that's worthy of the Gospel? More and more and more. I, I want to live a life that is worthy of the Gospel. Verse 13, for it is God who works in you both to will and to work for His good pleasure. So we we work ourselves to the bone seeking to make our calling and our election sure. 
And we do this knowing full well that it is God who works in us. If we get across the finish line in the end, if we run with endurance the race that is set before us, we know full well that it is God who works in us. It is His grace and His grace alone. Jesus Himself is the founder and the perfecter of our faith. So paying the closest attention to Him means returning to Jesus every day, depending upon Him for the strength that we need to to continue to trust Him and obey Him and to hate what He hates and to love what He loves and to never, ever drift away. This is only ever by His grace and His grace alone. Let's pray together. God, we thank You for Your grace. Your, your amazing grace that you, have, that you have showered upon us. We thank You for the grace that opened our eyes to see our need for the Gospel and, and the grace that You give to sustain us day by day and, and the grace that is going to get us home. We long for the day when we are free from sinning and when we've been in Your presence for 10,000 years and we're no longer bored by Your amazing grace. We get bored by the cross now. We get bored by Your grace now because we are broken cisterns. We are leaky vessels. We We are sinful creatures. We struggle to care about the things that matter. And we obsess over the things that don't. But one day we are going to be freed from sinning and we are going to be properly impressed by You. And in that day, we're going to be glad to sing of Your amazing grace the ten millionth time. We, We thank You for your great work in our hearts. We pray you will help us to never, ever drift away. God, if there is Um, anyone here, maybe multiple people here, who know they don't really care about Jesus. They come to church every once in a while. Maybe they come to church every week. They don't care about Jesus. They don't pay close attention to Jesus. And they don't care much about the gospel. Please do a, a convicting work in their heart. Please, by your grace, help them to understand right now their great need for a Savior. Their great sinfulness before you. Pray that they would believe the gospel right now. And I, and I think probably, God, all of us 
have at least a few people that we don't know about. We're just not sure. We really want to believe that when they made a profession of faith, it was genuine. And it was, a, it was because of a, a real work that you had done in their heart. That, that, that they had truly been regenerated and born again. We want to believe that, but we're also very afraid. Because we read the New Testament and there's just... It doesn't seem... It doesn't seem like they're continuing in the faith. Steadfast. One time it seemed like they cared deeply. Now it doesn't seem like they care at all. We are worried that they are going to drift away. And we are concerned that they are going to spend eternity in hell. We have... We all have people that we're concerned about. Please save them, God. If they are not saved, please save them. Thank you for your amazing saving grace. In Christ's name, amen.